0: book of Joel, stand with me if you will in honor of the reading of the word. The book of Joel, chapter number 3, verses 13 and 14, and then we'll go to 1 Kings chapter number 18. Joel, chapter number 3, and to 1 Kings chapter number 18. So good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. God bless you. If you found... The book of Joel, chapter number three, say amen. You didn't say amen because we don't have it up there now. That's why you need to bring your Bible to church. Amen. Got caught this Sunday, didn't you? In Joel chapter number two, and you don't need to turn there, but in Joel chapter number two, it's... The prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord being poured out. And then immediately following Joel chapter number two. Now look, this is going this is this, this is the, the high caliber revelation I get. Following Joel chapter number two is Joel chapter number three. Isn't that something? Isn't that, isn't that awesome? But after the outpouring of the Spirit. Then comes this word of prophecy. Joel 3, 13. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. And the fats. Now, we're not making fun of people. That means vats, the vat that would hold the oil or the wine. The fats overflow. For their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Now, before we move on to 1 Kings 18, when you see the phrase, the day of the Lord, that is generally referring to a day of judgment, to a day of judgment. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. First Kings 18 and 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto, unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word how long halt ye between two opinions the Bible said there were multitudes in the valley of decision I want to preach for a little while this morning on the peril of indecision the peril of indecision Lord I pray that you would anoint me to preach let the Holy Ghost move in this place accomplish Lord your purpose for this service let your mercy and grace reach for somebody that's in that valley of decision halted between two opinions God help me I want to do your work today anoint this church oh God to let the spirit of the Lord flow through it God I pray that you would open hearts to receive your word in Jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. give the Lord a praise as you're being seated this morning God bless you There are times when the slightest hesitation can be the difference between success and failure, even life and death. In athletics, it could be the quarterback that hesitates a split second to throw the pass. And in that moment, the window closes and the game is lost, ending in defeat. It could be the soldier in the field that hesitates to fire on an enemy, bringing great peril to all the rest of the squad. There are times when only a decisive action can rescue a bad situation. Our biblical text today brings us to a very difficult time in the history of Israel. There was a severe famine in the land. Israel had been in a drought for three and a half years. Desperate times make people do desperate things. In the course of biblical history, there were times of terrible famine. These famines caused conditions that drove people to desperate extreme measures. One such famine, they got so hungry that they paid a high price for dove's dung, hoping to dig through the dung of that bird to find some undigested seeds that they might be able to get just the least little bit of nutrition. That is a desperate situation. They went so far as to buy donkeys' heads. The donkey was an unclean animal that violated their religious laws. I will tell you that when you get spiritually hungry, you'll break things. You'll break commandments that you never would have if you weren't in a desperate situation. Most tragically, in one particular famine, two mothers made an agreement with each other while they were starving. The agreement was, we'll boil your son today and eat him. And tomorrow we'll boil my son and we'll eat him. Desperate situations. Parents put their children in danger when they are spiritually starving. People do things they would never normally do when they're in a desperate situation. In the year 1863, in the American Civil War, General U.S. Grant and the Union Army laid siege to the city of Vicksburg, Mississippi. Famine set in. Hardship set in. During this siege, the people peeled the wallpaper off their walls and ate it, trying to somehow Survive just to take a little bit of the edge off of their hunger. Fuel mule's flesh. I got tongue-tied. I started to say fuel's mesh. But it's not fuel's mesh, it's mule's flesh. Mule's flesh was the chief meat. Rats were hung up for sale in the city market. It is said that flour sold for a thousand dollars a barrel adjusting for inflation that's twenty thousand eight hundred and seventy four dollars and thirteen cents in today's money could you imagine paying twenty thousand dollars for a barrel of flour i can't but i've never been that hungry desperation will drive you to extremes we live in a land of plenty But make no mistake, there's a famine in America. Amen. Not of bread or of meat, but of hearing the word of the Lord. People in this world are desperate. They turn to vices to answer that hunger on the inside. I will tell you that every single one of us was created with a place inside that can only be met and filled with the presence of God. All of the vices of this world are man's feeble attempt to try to fill that hole on the inside. And they'll never find a satisfying answer in the world. It'll never come from a bottle. It'll never come from a pill bottle. It'll never come from a drug. It will never come from another individual. Because that desire on the inside is only intended to be filled with the presence of God. Amen. And so rehabs are full because people don't understand that that longing on the inside is a hunger that was put inside of you for the presence of God. Amen. The things of this world are cheap imitations, temporary fillings for what God wants to put in you with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm starting to feel it moving in this place right now. I wonder if I have any former drug addicts and alcoholics and sinners that you'd raise your hand and say, that pastor is preaching the truth right now. What he's saying is right. I had a hole in my heart, and nothing in this world could fix it but the presence of God. Look around at these testimonies. I'm telling you that there is a God-sized hole in your heart, and nothing in this world will satisfy it. There's a famine in the land. There's a hunger in this land. There's a hunger in people's hearts. Families are desperate. Marriages are desperate. Children are desperate. People need God and people need the Holy Ghost. And we need the Spirit of God to move. That's what you're hungry for. It's not another hit of drugs. It's not another drink of alcohol. It's not in the arms of another man or woman. Uh, What you need uh, is the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, joy unspeakable and full of glory. I wish somebody has got the Holy Ghost would testify by praising him right now. Hallelujah, come on, your praise right now is a testimony that the Holy Ghost will do for you what nothing in this world can. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. People are desperate, they put a carnal band aid on a spiritual cancer. In the end, there's only two choices, my brothers and sisters it's serve God or serve the devil. There is no in-between. There's no neutral ground. There's no DMZ. There's no demilitarized zone in, uh, in, in, in the, the spirit realm. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. You can't serve two masters. Amen. The book of Romans chapter number 6 and verse number 16. Now, now I, I'm trying my best to stay on point. I really, I really, really am. But I will tell you today that uh, when somebody begins to tell you that that the New Testament is all about grace and it's not any judgment in the New Testament, you're talking about somebody that doesn't know their Bible. Amen. You're talking about somebody that's making an excuse for the flesh. That's right. Amen. Here's what your New Testament says in Romans chapter number 6 and verse number 16. Know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Can I break that down to 2021 talk? In other words, what you do tells who you serve. Amen. You're either serving sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. There is no neutral ground. There is no middle ground. We're either for him or we're against him. We're either living for God or we're living for the devil. Praise God. I I, I didn't expect a whole lot of shouting there, but I'll tell you there's a whole lot more devil worshipers in the world than what we think they are because you can't be a neutral and be going to heaven. Whoever you yield yourself servant to obey, his servants he are. You go out and sin, you know who you're worshiping? You're worshiping the devil. That's Bible. That's Bible. That's New Testament. Amen. Eternal choices are serious, folks. Everyone is faced with an eternal choice, and no one can make it for you. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean make your own plan of salvation. That means you got to do everything you can to make sure that you're saved. Amen. With fear and trembling, with respect, understanding that everything I do in this life matters in eternity. Everything I do in this life matters on the other side. I can't just piddle-paddle my way through life and just sort of nonchalantly call myself a Christian and then expect everything to be all right. I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm living every day like heaven's on the line because every day... Heaven is on. I wish I had somebody say amen right now. Oh, the Holy Ghost is reaching for somebody today. I'm preaching to young people. I'm preaching to middle-aged folks. I'm preaching to elders to tell us that we can't play around with God and play around with our soul. We can't play around with serving God. It's got to be all or it's nothing. He said, you're either for me or against me. And if I can't tell by my life that I'm for him, I ought to shake myself and give myself a wake-up call right now. I understand what I'm preaching right now flies in the face of much of what America calls Christianity, but I'll tell you what America's calling Christianity right now is foreign to this Bible right here. What most people are calling Christianity in this day and age cannot be found in the pages of this leather-bound book. God says, serve me with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and if I'm not giving him all, then I'm not serving him oh yeah look I I, I'm not planning on being offensive today but I'm also not planning on sugarcoating what the Bible says we got to live for God folks we got to serve God we're running out of time we got to make our calling and election sure I gotta work out my salvation with fear and trembling I'd rather do a little too much than a little not enough I'd rather go a little too far than a little not far enough I'd rather go a little overboard than a little underboard. I gotta be saved. I gotta be saved. I gotta be saved. I gotta be saved. Eternal choices. Look at somebody and tell them eternal choices are serious. In our text, the prophet Elijah had a showdown with Ahab and Jezebel and their prophets on Mount Carmel. Israel had tried to play both sides. They adopted some of the practices of Baal worship. They also retained some of their worship of Jehovah God. They didn't totally abandon God, yet they didn't totally reject Baal worship either. One of the hallmarks of Baal worship was the offering of their children as burnt offering to idols as you will find in Jeremiah 19 and 5. It says, they have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. God said, they are building these altars and they're burning their sons as sacrifices to this God, Baal, which I command. He said, I didn't ask you to do that for me. I didn't ask you to kill your children for me and it never even entered my mind he said but here they are sacrificing their children on fire altars to Baal I will tell you that when you reject living for God and serving God and serving him with your whole heart really what you're doing is not just a bad decision for yourself but you are burning your children to Baal. You're making decisions that will put your children on the altar of this world. When you decide faithfulness isn't worth it, and holiness isn't worth it, and worship isn't worth it, and giving isn't worth it, then you, what you're saying uh, is I'm throwing my children on this altar to this world, uh, and I'm going to let the world's fire do what it wants to to them. Come on, moms and dads. we got to make good decisions when it comes to living for God. I don't want to make my decision. Look, you're a grown-up. You can make your own decision. You can do what you want to do. I had a nephew. He was the biggest brat there's ever been in the history of the earth, and I think he probably still is. And when he was about eight or nine years old, and some, maybe he was probably six or seven, and somebody tried to tell him what to do in his way. Of, instead of saying, I can do what I want, he would say, I can do what I can do. I wanted to drop, him all the, drop kick him all the way to China. We'd all been better off. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Amen. You can do what you can do. You can do whatever you want. You can throw this message out. You can tune it out. You can do whatever you want. You can surf the internet on your phone if you're lucky enough to get signal. You can do whatever you want with this sermon. But you've got to understand that when you make that decision, it may not just be you burning on that altar. You may be burning your children at that altar because they see how you respond and they see how you worship and they see how you pray. And when I preach something over this pulpit from the Word of God and you throw it out, what you're telling your baby is what that man says doesn't matter. And so when you're trying to get me to get them out of trouble, you're going to want what I say to matter to them. They burned their children on the altar to Baal. And so here's where Israel was. They enjoyed the sensual, worldly, carnal worship of Baal. The dancing in the groves with each other. The, 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 worship, with each, the, the worship of Baal and the sensual nature of that, that demon cult. And they enjoyed how it appealed to their flesh and their desires. But then they also had enough sense, enough fear of God left somewhere inside of them to not totally abandon his altars as well. They found themselves being Baal worshipers during the week and being a God worshiper on the Sabbath. On six days of the week, they enjoyed the carnal, worldly Baal worship. But then when Sabbath rolled around, they knew I gotta give something to God. And so they would worship God on the Sabbath and worship Baal the rest of the week. My friends, if you can't see the parallel to our modern society, then you are purposefully ignoring all of the signs. Amen. When Christians, quote unquote, are partying on Friday and Saturday and traipsing into church on a Sunday, they're Baal worshipers during the week and God worshipers on the Sabbath. Is that all right? Is that plain enough? When you're sleeping around all week and then lifting your hands on Sunday, you're a bell worshiper during the week and a God worshiper on the Sabbath. When you're telling filthy jokes at work and at school all week long and then using that same mouth to say, I love you, Jesus. You're a bell worshiper during the week and a God worshiper on the Sabbath. When you're dancing to worldly music all week long and dancing to Jesus on the Sabbath, you're a bell worshiper during... My God, hey, am I preaching the word or not? Is it, am I in the book or am I not in the book? I know it's hard. I know it's a different level than what we hear all the other time, but I'm telling you, we got to shake ourselves. We got to stir ourselves up. And so they had enough fear of God to worship Him on Sabbath. But they sure enjoyed the Baal worship the rest of the week. But God will not allow himself to be a Sunday God only. Somebody was talking, some, I can't remember who it was, earlier this week, maybe it was Wednesday night, somebody was talking how it's, how it's rained like three or four Sundays in a row. And, uh, and, and I was laughing because when I pastored in Indiana, we had, a, we had a group that when the weather warmed up, they'd go fishing every Sunday. Every Sunday. And, and when, you're, when your church is, you know, 40, 50, 60 people, and up to, we, we built it up over 100. And, uh, but, but when you got a large group going fishing on Sundays, it takes a big hit. And so, uh, so I got in the pulpit one Sunday and I said, I am going to pray that it rains every single Sunday. So you'll be in church instead of going fishing. And six Sundays in a row, it rained. They said, Pastor, if you'll quit praying that, we'll come to church and go fishing when it's over. Some of you watching on your phone or watching later online that's fishing right now. That's a word from God for you. You better be here next week, buddy. That's a commercial for somebody else, y'all. God's not going to let himself be a Sunday-only God. God says, I want you to serve me with everything you've got. I want just as much of you on Monday as you give me on Sunday. I don't want to share you with Baal. I'm not going to share you with this world. I know, I know our screen's not up. I know you can't see it. But I'm going to read it to you just as clear as crystal from Exodus 34 and 14. For thou shalt worship no other God. Amen. Anybody got your Bible open? Anybody got your Bible open? Exodus 34 and 14. I just want a witness to make sure, so so you can say amen if I'm reading it, how it's in that book, okay? Exodus 34, 14, for thou shalt worship no other God. Am I in the book, anybody? If you got your Bible open, shout amen. Did I say it right? Thou shalt worship no other God. God for the Lord. Listen to this. Whose name is jealous. He said, let me tell you something about myself. I'm not only, not only is jealous one of my traits, I'm so jealous over you that I'm allowing you to call me that. I'm not only jealous for you, I'm so jealous for you that I'm going to let you, it's capital J, whose name is Jealous. For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. God said, I'm not playing around. I'm not going to let you date me on Sunday and date something else on Monday through Saturday. We're not going to go out on the weekend and I'm not going to let you sleep around the rest of the week with some other God. You're not going to hold my hand on Sunday and hold some other's hand on Saturday. My name is Jealous. That's who I am. Let me tell you, when you give more of yourself to this world, Jealous says, I'm not sharing you like you want me to. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you think I'm sharing my wife with somebody else, you are out of your ever-loving mind. It ain't happening. I'm going to change my name to jealous and put this size 13 in places where the sun had never shined. But it will when I'm through because that's just the way it is. And God's not going to share his church with ball games, with volleyball and basketball and soccer and golf he's not going to share it with fishing and hunting and all that stuff has its own place but its place is not in front of God he said my name is jealous and I'm going to show you and so Israel Israel was trying to appease Ahab and Jezebel and worship Baal part-time but still not completely alienate God by worshiping him on the Sabbath. And God was having none of it. Everybody okay? And he sent Elijah. He said, you go tell Ahab to get all the people together. And you tell Ahab to gather the people together. And then I've got a message for you to tell all of the people. And so in 1 Kings 18 and 21, and Elijah came unto all the people And said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people, man, what a bunch of pansies. And the people answered him not a word. They didn't have enough guts to make a decision that day. Praise God. They kicked the can down the road. They wanted to take a minute and wait and see who won the showdown on Mount Carmel. They didn't have enough guts to say, okay, God, we're with you. They were waiting to see how it played out. And sometimes when the word is preached and you get conviction on your heart and you turn around and walk away instead of coming to an altar, what you're saying is I'm going to wait and see how this works out. But my God is a jealous God and he's not messing around with this world anymore. How long halt ye? That word halt means to hesitate, to wait, to to delay. It also means to be lame or cripple or limp. He said, how long are you going to be crippled by indecision? How long are you going to be stuck in neutral? How long are you going to be halted between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. If you want that God that destroys your children, then have at it. If you want that God that burns your children in the fire and always wants more, then you have at it. If you want that God that's destroying your family and your home and your marriage and your babies, then have at it. But if I'm God, then I'm expecting you to shape up and serve me. Amen. How long halt ye? How long are you going to try to play both sides? I wish I had my intercessors praying right now. I feel like God's reaching for some folks. I can't help but feel that right now is a decision day for some people. How long are you going to play both sides? How long are you going to be a bell worshiper on one hand and a God worshiper on the other? How long are you going to be halted between two opinions? You know how it is when you get in the presence of God. The Holy Ghost deals with your heart and in your mind you think I want to live for God. I got to be saved. But then you go out into the world and you you go to work. You go to school. You work working. you go around and all of a sudden the memory of the Spirit of God dealing and with your heart begins to fade off into the other side and all of a sudden you find yourself enjoying sin and enjoying the world and God said how long are you going to be crippled how long are you going to be halted in that decision place if Baal is God serve him if the Lord is God then serve him I will tell you that one of the things I've been sent here by the Holy Ghost for this morning to do is to tell this church that it is, as Bishop Wilson said earlier, it's revival time. It's revival time. I've come to tell the church, this is our finest hour. When there's so many people halted by indecision, that means there's a great opportunity to reach people. Amen. Joel 3 and 13, put in the sickle. He's talking to the church right now. Put in the sickle. This was after the prophecy of Pentecost. This was after Joel 2, the next chapter, after the Holy Ghost had been prophesied. He said, put in the sickle. It's time. The harvest is ripe come. The press is full. What I'm telling Bethlehem Church is right now is the time to reach people. They're in the valley of decision. There's multitudes in the valley of decision. They look at this world and they know it's a mess. They look at what's happening and they know it's a mess. They know their family's breaking down. They know their marriage is in trouble. They know their kids are at risk. They understand we're in the valley of decision. Now is the time to tell them that the holy ghost is real and you can have joy and you can have peace i wish i had somebody to say amen right now there are so many people halted by indecision multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the lord is near in the valley of decision, The day of the Lord, the judgment of God is near in the valley of decision. I'm going to tell you the valley of decision is a dangerous place to be. I'm preaching to people that have been in church their whole life. Maybe they're playing church. You're sort of here, but you're not really sold out. You're not really on fire for God. Like Bishop Wilson preached about your spiritual high water mark last Sunday night. You're just coasting. You're just sort of going by. You're just sort of getting by. It's been a long time since you felt the passion of the Spirit of God. The Bible said there's multitudes in the valley of decision. Perhaps it's some of our new folks that you've been coming around for a few weeks and you don't really know all about it but you know one thing that there's something real here and you're in the valley of decision you're trying to decide am I coming or am I not am I going to do it or am I not I'm telling you there's a day of the Lord coming to the valley of decision Uh, it's time it's time we make choices boys and girls young men young women moms and dads and grandparents it's time we made decisions to sell out to Jesus Christ and give him our all Uh, No more valley of decision for me. I'm climbing out of that valley. I've made up my mind. I've made my decision. I'm going to give God everything I've got. I'm not going back. I'm not turning around. Uh, I'm not going back to this world. Uh, I'm not going to be a bell worshiper on Monday. I'm not going to be a bell worshiper on Friday night. I'm living for God. I'm giving Him. I wish I had somebody say, Preacher, you're preaching to me. It's time for me to make my decision. It's time for me to bear down. I remember, Sister Wilson, I was thinking about this early this morning, the time that, that uh, Patrick went with me. When I was evangelizing and Patrick went with me to, uh, to Texas, I was preaching a revival. We stopped at a camp meeting in Louisiana and then we went on to, uh, to Texas and, and I preached revival. and Brother Patrick played the drums and kept me laughing. We had the mother of all wrestling matches. That, this was before he had his growth spurt. He was, I don't know, maybe 15 or so. And a little scrawny kid, and uh, we had gone to a place called the Kettle. I don't know if any of you you remember the Kettle restaurants. It was like Cracker Barrel before uh, before they tricked you into shopping while you were there. And 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 Brother Patrick ate a country boy breakfast: hash browns, bacon, sausage, eggs, pancakes. He ate and he ate. He ate all of his. And, and while he's eating, I hear Sister Wilson's voice in my head, Brother John, don't let Patrick overdo it. He's pouring that syrup on the pancake, and I'm like, oh, he's, I'm going to be in trouble. He eats all of his country boy breakfast, and he finishes Brother Strickland's. <laughs> we get in the car to head back to the hotel. Brother John, stop at Subway. I need a foot-long sub. I'm like, you are not getting a foot-long sub. You just ate three meals. Come on, I want a sub. No, that boy could eat. And, and we got to the Brazos Inn, and I unlocked the door, and as soon as that door opened, boom, he hit me in the back. I, I was bigger. He was quicker. I pick him up and threw him on the bed. He'd bounce off, come right back Now I threw him on the other bed. We wrestled and fought. I don't know how they didn't call the law. About an hour later, his sugar drops. Guess where I go? Subway. Get that boy a foot long sub. I was thinking about that this morning and I remembered when, uh, when we went to that revival, we got back and, and, and somebody asked him how the revival went. He said, we didn't save any, but we lost one. And he, he wasn't lying, he was, he was telling the truth there was one particular service that week and I preached and I knew I was reaching for one particular man that had been at every revival that I'd ever preached at that church I used to preach a spring and a fall revival there and uh, this man was in every revival never one time did he ever lift a hand to worship never one time did he ever come pray by this time I'd been going three, four years so I had, I don't know, six, eight revivals that I had preached at that church And one night, I knew I was reaching for him. I preached. I did everything I could to try to get him to come to an altar. I did everything I could to reach him. He did not budge, not one moment. At the end of the service, there was a message in tongues and an interpretation that that couldn't have been more clear that it was his time to seek the Lord. The man never moved. When the altar call came, he turned and he walked out. The next time I went back, that church the man wasn't there and I asked the pastor where he was he said his wife and him have divorced his wife has gotten the children he's lost his job he's lost his marriage he's lost his children he's lost it all and as far as I know the man never made his way back to the house of God The Valley of Decision. The Valley of Decision. You never know when it's your last service in the Valley of Decision. Joshua told Israel, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going to stay in the valley of decision. The prophet Isaiah said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Your eyes are closed all over this place. The altars are open right now. Somebody needs to climb out of the valley of decision. Oh, God, come on. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. That's right, come on, it's time to pray. That's right, talk to God all over this place. How long halt ye between two opinions? What's just happened is called tongues and interpretation. It's found in 1 Corinthians. It's when God uses somebody to speak in an unknown tongue, and then he empowers somebody by the Spirit to speak and interpret and tell us what the Spirit of the Lord says. It's a direct word from God, and it's time to pray. If you're here in the house, it's time to pray. If you're watching at home or wherever, you need to pray right now. God, I'm making my decision. I'm making my mind up. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost. I need you, God. Come on, somebody ought to be praying. Somebody ought to be seeking God. Oh, Lord, I must be saved. God, I got to be ready. God, I got to be ready. I got to lay down my sin. I got to lay down my double-mindedness. I got to lay down my my halting. I got to quit being in the valley of decision. I need to make up my mind. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. The word from the Lord said, repent. There ought to be repenting all over this place. Front to back and left to right, all around this building. God, I'm sorry. God, I apologize. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me and wash me and cleanse me. God, I need to be ready. I need to be right. Come on, it's time to talk to God. There ought to be some stuff being laid at the altar. This is my time. This is my moment. You ought to look around and pray with somebody. If you see someone close and the Lord lays them on your heart, we need a good old-fashioned apostolic altar service. I pray one for another. Lord we need you, Jesus. Lord we need you, God. We need you, Lord, we need you. Right, if you're not praying, sing it. We need to lift our voices to heaven. There's some decisions that need to be made today. I don't feel like we've been like I've been released in the spirit yet. I don't feel like we've quite broken through yet like we need to this morning, folks. while they sing this chorus again, I'd like for you to help me pray. I'm going to ask you to really, really help me pray right now for those that are remaining in the valley of decision. I want you to pray like it was your own son or daughter, your own brother or sister or mom or dad. There's some decisions that are being made this morning that are going to have eternal impact on people. I need you to lift your voice and pray. This is serious business. This is eternal business. to heaven all over this place Lord Jesus we thank you for speaking to us today God I pray Lord that there's been minds made up to serve you I thank you God for dealing with hearts in this place today I thank you Lord Jesus for the anointing of your spirit stirring souls Lord with the Holy Ghost God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to bring us to repentance. I ask you, Lord, for a work of the Holy Ghost in our homes and our families and our lives. God, to become more diligent to serve you, to become more diligent in our commitment to you. And Lord, we thank you, God, and we praise you, Lord Jesus, and we worship you. And we ask you, Lord God, to have your way. Jesus' name. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Amen. This certifies that Nate Gross was baptized in Jesus' name on the 14th of March. This certifies that Jackson Stewart was baptized on the 24th of March. He had stepped out for just a moment. Let's give these men a good hand in that exciting. Oh, hallelujah!